The Guardian. Questions for the Prime Minister. Brian Jenkins. Number one, sir. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in the House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Brian Jenkins. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister is well, well aware the global economic turndown is causing many in our country concern. Can I have an assurance from him today that his top priority will be the British economy, with stability and high employment at its core? And can I have an assurance that he will never make the statement, never make the statement, that three million unemployed is a price worth paying? Mr Speaker, I will never make that statement. And it is because of our policies that there are three million more people in work than ever before. And it is because of our policies we have higher vacancies and unemployment is the lowest for 30 years. And I'm very grateful to be able to say that in his constituency, overall unemployment is down at 42% since 1997. And Mr Speaker, the choice in future will be between a Conservative Party that caused three million unemployed and was responsible for two of the worst recessions in history and a Labour government that is on the side of homeowners facing difficulties, those facing high fuel prices, a Labour, a Labour government that has never reached the figure of repossessions under the Conservatives, and we will continue to fight for every job in this country. The planted questions get tougher and tougher. As the... Um, as the, Prime Minister knows, as the Prime Minister knows, there's only one thing more uncomfortable than a U-turn, and that is a U-turn after repeated protestations that you're not going to make one. So can I, offer, can I offer the Prime Minister an opportunity today to retract what he said last week and admit that he's going to have to make major concessions on his proposals to extend detention without charge to 42 days? No, Mr Speaker. Uh, we are going ahead with our proposal, uh, and we will put it to the House of Commons. And I do, I do say to the opposition uh, parties, they agree with us in principle that there, will be cases, that there will be cases of terrorism where we will need more than 28 days to interview witnesses. They agree with us that there are certain emergency conditions where that will be required, and so, do, so too does the Liberal Party and the Liberty Group. And the question, therefore, the question is, where, is whether we have put in place the civil liberties protections that are necessary, and that we have done, and that is why we will go ahead with putting this proposal to the House. And I know the Conservative Party should be supporting it. Mr Speaker, what we object to is new legislation that threatens civil liberties that isn't necessary, that could actually make the situation worse. Will he listen to his own Director of Public Prosecutions, who says this, we don't perceive any need for the period of 28 days to be increased. Our experience has been that we have managed comfortably within 28 days. This is the man responsible for prosecuting and convicting terrorists. Why won't the Prime Minister listen to him? Yeah, yeah. Mr Speaker, will, will, will he listen to the police who have said that they may need this power beyond 28 days? Will he also listen to the independent reviewer, Lord Carlyle, who gave evidence only a few days ago about the need for the extra power? And will he not recognise that if we have to come to the House in a period of emergency and ask for these extra powers, that is not the way, because that gives oxygen to terrorism. It is better to take the preemptive action now, and I think the Conservative Party should be ashamed of itself not supporting this legislation. But 
it's not just the Director of Public Prosecutions who opposes it. It's the former Attorney General, the former Lord Chancellor, the man who was the Chief Inspector of the Constabulary says that it's wrong. And now we know what Labour MPs themselves think about it. We've actually been sent a report um, from the Labour Whip's office uh, about what they think. I mean, only this government could manage to send it across. I mean, it brings a whole new meaning to the, the phrase usual channels. <laughs> one, one minister says... One minister says the 42-day limit has been plucked from thin air. Another MP says, I could be persuaded to stay away. That's straight from the Prime Minister's book of courage. <laughs> and, and this one... And this one... This one, my own favourite, from the Honourable Member for Ealing, who sums up, I think, the mood of the Labour Party, who says, I will support it, but I think it's balmy. <laughs> Prime Minister think he can't persuade his own MPs? Speaker, is it not remarkable? He will never address the substantial issue. And the substantial, the substantial issue for our country is whether it is right to have the power in law that it may be necessary for the police to go beyond 28 days. And the substantial issue is whether facing a major terrorist incident, ministers may have to come before the House and ask for that extra power when we could take it in a precautionary way. And I believe that we have dealt with the civil liberties arguments in this issue. We have given the Home Secretary the requirement that she must come to the House if there is any order in any particular case. We have given new powers to the independent reviewer so that he can adjudicate the case. We have given new powers to the judiciary so that every seven days the person has got to come before the judiciary, before the detention is confirmed. I believe that we are protecting the civil liberties of the country and I believe the Conservative Party are making a mistake if they believe we should not take this precautionary legislation in circumstances where sophisticated investigations that go right across the world involving mobile phones, emails, computers mean that the amount of work and time needed by the police to investigate cases is a great deal higher. I believe the Conservatives would make a mistake to oppose this legislation. The, the Prime Minister is wrong. We have addressed the substantive issues. We said, use intercept evidence in terror trials. He's beginning to take up the proposal. We said, question suspects after charge. That's in the terrorism bill. We said, let's have a proper border police force. He's got the border bit, but he doesn't seem to understand the police bit. He, he reels off the changes he's made, but the fact is he hasn't convinced anybody. The former, Lord, the former Attorney General says this, not only is it wrong in principle, but also counterproductive because it can lead to the risk that part of our community sees this as an attack on them. So let me ask him, how far is he prepared to take this battle with his party? Will this vote be an issue of confidence for his government? Mr Speaker, we will put our proposal before the House, and the proposal will be one that I believe Conservative members and Liberal members should think very carefully about as well. If, 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 he, if, he, has, if he has to examine, as I had to examine as Chancellor, the cases for terrorist asset freezes, and if he is to examine the cases that come before, comes before the police, then he knows that the sophistication of investigations that are now required, looking internationally at a whole range of issues, including computer documents and emails, means that there will come a time when it is difficult for the police to do a, a sophisticated investigation in 28 days. And if I, may, if I may say so, we should as a House take the precautionary position that we have this power. It cannot be triggered without the Home Secretary coming back again to the House to ask for these extra powers. And that means that we are voting in principle for a 42 days limit, 
but at the same time the Home Secretary must come before the House. I believe that the issue before the House was whether there was arbitrary detention of people. We have, made the, we have taken all the precautions necessary against arbitrary detention. We should now go ahead with this measure and the Conservative Party should be supporting it. The Prime Minister talks about the sophistication of the prosecutions. Who do you think knows more about that? The Prime Minister or the Director of Public Prosecutions? He's the man responsible for trying to convict and imprison these people. But he didn't answer my question, so let me ask him again. He tells us how much this matters. He tells us he won't make any more concessions. So is it an issue of confidence? Speaker, Mr. Mr. Speaker, we will put this before the House. And if I may say so, if I may say so, the, ch- the head of the Metropolitan Police has also some idea what sophisticated investigations involve. The independent reviewer has been examining all the cases and he is convinced of the need to go beyond 28 days. The Home Office Select Committee looked at this matter and said there may be a case for going beyond 28 days. Equally, at the same time, the Conservative Party, Liberty and the Liberal Party have all, all agreed that there may be a case and they want to trigger the Civil Contingencies Act. Now, if there is a case that some instances will involve going beyond 28 days, then surely the right thing to do is for a government to respect the civil liberties of the individual by avoiding arbitrary treatment, but to take the power that could only be triggered again by the Home Secretary coming before the House. Now, that is the right way and the responsible way. We are talking about the security of every citizen in this country. Mr Speaker, he won't answer the question about a vote of confidence. So I think everybody knows what's going to happen. We're going to have another rebellion, another back down, another U-turn, and the uh, collapse of Stout Party. Isn't the truth of the 42 days exactly the same as the fiasco of the 10p tax rate? The reason he's pushing this is not because it's right, but because it's part of a political calculation. With 10p, it was about trying to pose as a tax cutter. This time, it's about trying to pose as being tough on terror. Everybody knows what's happening. Today, apparently, he's admitting mistakes. Why doesn't he admit the biggest mistake of all, which is he puts political calculation and self-interest... He is putting political calculation and self-interest ahead of the right decisions on the national interest. But once again, he never addresses the substance of the question. This is the the man who wants to be both tough on crime and hug a hoodie at the same time. This This is the man where political calculation meant he cycled to work but at the same time he had the chauffeur-driven car coming behind. This is, this is the man who is a shallow salesman and never addresses the substance of the issue. And the important substance of this issue is how do we protect the people of this country against terrorism? That is more than trading a few quotes in the House of Commons. It is looking at the evidence before us, and the evidence before us is we will need 48, 42 days. I urge the Conservative Party to think again. Stephen Pound. Speaker, may I, may, I point out, may I point out that the great and noble borough of Ealing is actually represented by three Labour members of Parliament. 
none of whom made the statement attributed to her. However, may I say that the Leader of the Opposition is doing a simply marvellous job. for the sadly vacant chair of I'm sorry I haven't a clue. <laughs> Could I ask the Prime Minister if he would not agree with me that it would be the height of irresponsibility for any candidate standing for the mayoralty of London to talk about slashing the Metropolitan Order. Police... Order. 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 I, I want to invite the, minute, the Prime Minister to answer that one. <laughs> Mr Clegg. Oh, order. Remember what I've, I've said to the House. It's unfair to the Right Honourable Member. He should be able to put these two questions. Right Honourable Gentleman. If you're a low earner in Britain today, it's obvious why you wouldn't support the Conservatives tomorrow. But after doubling the tax rate for the poor, after leaving over four and a half million people in fuel poverty, after closing thousands of post offices, can he explain, can he explain why any low earner should now support his government? Yeah. We have taken a million pensioners out of poverty because we are on the road to taking a million children out of poverty because we introduced the New Deal to get people in work opposed by the Liberal Party because we've introduced child tax credits and raised child benefit and child tax credits were opposed by the Liberal Party. And the reason people should support Labour is that our policies for social justice are not only taking people out of poverty, but giving people the chance of work. Yeah. Speaker, the Prime Minister is living in denial. If he, wants people to believe, if he wants people to believe that he cares for the poor, he should act as though he does. Is he not ashamed? at the grotesque chaos, to quote Neil Kinnock, of a Labour government, a Labour government scuttling, scuttling around the country, handing out closure notices to over 5,000 local post offices. Mr Speaker, this morning he said he wants to be a listening Prime Minister. Let him prove it. Will he now stop all further post office closures right now? Mr. Mr. Speaker, four million less people are using our post offices than a few years ago. We have put £1.7 billion into helping the post office network. Once again, the Liberal Party are proposing to spend huge sums of extra money without having any recognisable means of paying for them. And that's why, that's why his Shadow Home Secretary called him Calamity Clegg. Madeline Moon. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Goho, Yellow, Working Links and my youth offending team are all working hard to place vulnerable youngsters, those with mental health problems, drug and alcohol problems and low educational attainment in work. Can I take them an assurance that despite the turn down in the economy, work will still be available for those vulnerable youngsters so that they have a future, that there is potential for the future ahead for them? I'm grateful to my honourable friend, and I had the privilege of meeting uh, uh, young people from her constituency to talk about the challenges that they face, both in creating and getting jobs, uh, and in the youth facilities in the area. And the fact is, in Wales, unemployment is down 100, employment is up 131,000 since 1997. We've helped 120,000 people through the New Deal. We continue to create jobs for young people in Wales. That wouldn't happen if we'd taken the Conservative Party advice and abolished the New Deal. 
We will create jobs. They would create unemployment. Clifton Brown. The Public Accounts Committee has branded the Olympic budgeting process as incompetent, yet Londoners are being forced to pick up the bills. Who has deceived them? Is it the government, the mayor or both? Mr Speaker, I think, think first of all, we should be proud that the Olympics is coming to London. And it gives me the chance to congratulate the Mayor of London on making sure that the Olympics came to London. And as, and as, and as, and as for the Olympics, he will know that it is a national contribution that is being made also from the Exchequer. And I believe that holding the Olympics in London will be a great boost not just to London, but to the whole of the British economy. Tipping. After years of discussion, Parliament decided that fox hunting should be banned. Yeah. Isn't the priority now to ensure that the legislation is implemented effectively, rather than promising at some date in the future that it will be repealed? Mr Speaker, I, I understand that the, the Leader of the Opposition has said that we would let the House of Commons have a free vote, and if there was a vote to get rid of the ban, there would be a government bill in government time. I believe, I believe there is a settled view of the public on this uh, matter, and I believe that it would be better if all parties in the House recognised the previous vote of the House of Commons on this issue. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. On the politics show West on Sunday, the Honourable Member for Stroud, who I note is next on the order paper, said of the Prime Minister, he was never my choice. I made it quite clear we should have looked to miss a generation, Gordon is a tragedy. <laughs> on, fr on Friday after the local elections, when, Gordon's when the Prime Minister is carrying out an emergency reshuffle, should the Honourable Member for Stroud be waiting by his telephone? <laughs> Mr Speaker, this Government in the last uh, 11 years has created more jobs for the people of this country than any other. We have cut poverty, we've doubled investment in the health service, we've improved investment in education, he should be congratulating us on what we've done, not criticising us. And now we'll get to some real politics. Can I thank my right honourable friend for the initiative that he has taken on Darfur to call a conference in London. Now, I believe that uh, yesterday my right honourable friend met with the Foreign Minister for Sudan and also the special advisor to the President of Sudan. I had the opportunity to meet those gentlemen on Monday. Could my right honourable friend tell me what progress is being made on the conference, and in particular what opportunities are now being pursued to make sure that the rebel groups are willing to come to such a conference, and more particularly including the Arab militias? Well, Mr Speaker, our aim is to get not just the rebel parties together, but to get the government of Sudan also as part of this discussion process. And I pressed the Sudanese foreign minister when I uh, spoke to him yesterday about the need for talks to, to start as soon as possible. I, I believe it is possible that if talks set started, we could also get to a ceasefire and at the same time get to the process of getting a political settlement. So the key thing is to get these talks started, and that's why approaches have now been made to the rebel groups. That's why the UN General Secretary is involved. That's why we have offered London as a possible centre for such talks, and that's why I'm hopeful, if we can move these forward in the next few weeks, that there is a chance of talks taking place that could bring peace to this troubled area. Sir Robert Smith. Thank you, Mr Speaker. 
Will the Prime Minister give an undertaking to this House that by the report stage of the Finance Bill we will see detailed and concrete proposals on exactly how his Government plans to compensate the 5.3 million low earners who lost out when he doubled the 10p tax rate? Mr Speaker, the Chancellor has sent a letter to the Treasury Select Committee Chairman and made it absolutely clear what the Government is ready to do uh, and the action that that we are taking to help the 60 to 65 year olds and to help people who are low paid, and that is what we will do. Well, Curtis Thomas. Very much, Mr. Speaker. Um, the faith-based sector within my community is doing a fantastic job. They administer half my schools, the hospice, and our care homes, and they've been involved in wonderful campaigns such as Drop the Debt. But currently, they are very concerned about the Human Embryology and Fertilisation Bill. And, and we acknowledge that the Prime Minister has indeed given people like me and people of religious uh, conviction a free vote in the committee stages of this bill on the floor of the House. But would my honourable friend now consider whether or not it's to allow me a free vote when this bill finally comes before the House? Mr. Bigger, I've made it clear that there will be a free vote on our side uh, on provisions relating to save your siblings and mixed embryos and the issue of the need for a father or supportive parenting, because these are the first time that these issues have been debated, these ethical issues have been debated on the floor of the House of Commons. And and I believe that the letter I sent to MPs set out the reasons why uh, we should do this, and I think this is the right way of proceeding on an important bill. We do not want to lose the benefits of research that is available uh, to help uh, people, but at the same time we wish to acknowledge there are new ethical issues before the House that should be debated on a free vote of the House. Peter Robinson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Does the Prime Minister recall when he was Chancellor appointing Sir David Barney to carry out a review of the Northern Ireland economy? Sir David's second report is due out later today. Could he ensure that the Government's response to that report is issued before the Northern Ireland-United States Investment Conference, and could he see that part of the Government's response to that report deals with the commitment made by his predecessor five years ago in the Joint Declaration that they would hand over to the Northern Ireland Executive many of the military and police bases which are now redundant to assist in helping the assets that the Executive would have? Let me, first of all, on behalf of the whole House, uh, congratulate the Honourable Member on becoming the leader of his uh, party. And I wish wish him well in the tasks ahead uh, as we uh, move forward with the uh, devolution proposals uh, for Northern Ireland. Uh, At the same time, he is absolutely right. We have talked on a number of occasions about the Varney Report, about what it can do to bring new investment to Northern Ireland. Uh, The investment conference, which will include the representation from America, will take place uh, next week, and I look forward to meeting him and the American delegation there. And the Varney Report, which is published today, will put forward a number of proposals about how we can increase the attractiveness of Northern Ireland for inward investment. Uh, Some of that is in uh, the incentives for innovation that should be available for companies coming into Northern Ireland or developing there. Some of it is in the areas of uh, skills, where we ought to be able to increase and build on the good education that happens in Northern Ireland. And I look forward to talking with them about that and the military bases when we have a chance to meet soon. Would my right honourable friend congratulate the Ward Deep Clean team, who won Team of the Year at the Staff Awards at the Ipswich Hospital last Thursday evening, for their success and for the reduction in the number of MRSA cases they have achieved of 68% over the last two years? And would he agree that the colleagues who nominated them and patients 
would regard this initiative and others of my right honourable friends' initiatives, such as extended GP opening hours, as anything other than a gimmick? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mr. 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 Speaker, the, 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 deep clean, the deep clean of our hospitals and the doubling of the number of matrons to make sure that all hospital wards are clean is a very important aspect of making the health service better in the future. And I would also like to join him in congratulating those in his constituency and the hospital who have done so much good work uh, to make the hospital a better place. It is also true that GP access is incredibly important to every citizen in this country. And that's why it's regrettable that the Conservative spokesman should have said that he is against uh, the GP access uh, uh, advantages, uh, progress that has been made, and said he would hand back to GPs the power to decide whether there was access for the patients. I think that would be a retrograde step. The Prime Minister claims he had no knowledge of the dodgy loans used to fund the 2005 election campaign which he ran. Lord Levy has revealed the Prime Minister knew everything. Is Lord Levy lying? I knew nothing of these loans. <laughs> The Prime Minister will be aware that European workers receive twice as many bank holidays as British workers. Is he going to give UK workers one extra bank holiday? Well, Mr. Mr. Speaker, as you know, we, we are uh, consulting, uh, we are consulting uh, on the nature of citizenship. And one of the parts of the consultation is about potential bank holidays. But I have to say also that as a result of the changes that we have made, it is now the legal entitlement of every worker from April 1, 2009 that statutory paid leave is raised from 24 days to 28 days, and that is because of the actions of a Labour government. James Clarkson. Is the Prime Minister aware that next week marks the sixth anniversary of the Potters Bar rail crash, and yet still no public inquiry or inquest has been held? Isn't this very regrettable? Yes. Well, we are determined to ensure the safety of passengers on the rail, and I'll look into what he said, uh, but I believe that we are taking all the precautions that are necessary to ensure that our railways are safe. Wales is a much more prosperous country now than it was ten years ago, yeah. thanks to the policies of this government. Yeah, yeah. But does my right honourable friend share my despair that the Welsh people will be betrayed once again by the nationalists who will do a deal to put the Tories into government? like they put Thatcher into government. And a vote for the Nationalists tomorrow is a vote for the Tories. There are 131,000 more people in work in Wales as a result of a Labour government. And the only way of safeguarding jobs and prosperity in Wales is by supporting the Labour Party. Mark Pritchard. Further to the Prime Minister's reply to the Honourable Member for Crosby concerning the Human Fertilisation and Embryology Bill, Will the Prime Minister confirm whether there will be a free vote on the third reading? That, 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 that is not the intention. If I may say so, in the previous, if I may say so, in the previous uh, legislation under the Conservative government, the third reading was a whip vote. Yes, Robertson. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. My right honourable friend will be aware that for a number of years I've been trying to get my employment retention bill through Parliament. Unfortunately, on Friday, once again, the Conservatives objected to my bill. Will he, will he use his high office to talk to DWP and try and get this bill through to make sure that people who are disabled during employment will receive employment 
and, and contribute to the rest of this nation. Yeah. Yeah. Mr Speaker, let me uh, uh, congratulate him on bringing forward a bill for the employment of the disabled. And let me congratulate him for keeping alive uh, the very important idea that every disabled person should have the chance uh, to get employment opportunities in our country. We recognise the importance of helping disabled people into work and we welcome his concern and share his aims and determination to do more. The Government lost, launched the cross-party independent living strategy in March 2008 and we will move forward on that uh, and I'm very happy to talk to him, with him about how within the Disability Discrimination Act also we can move forward with the proposals that he's put forward. Bill Wigan. While the Prime Minister is on the subject of disabled people, is he aware that Labour's attack on vulnerable people has been extended to disabled anglers and that they have seen that their fishing licence go up by 37% as opposed to 2% for able-bodied people? And that is if they can find a post office to buy one from. Mr Speaker, I will look at the facts he brings before us and see what has happened to bring that about. But, I, but I, have to say to, I have to say to them, investing in rural communities is something that this government has done, and on the post offices, we're making 1.7 billions available. And the Sharma. Mr. Speaker, given that crime in London has fallen over recent years, does my right honourable friend think it is now time to cut neighbourhood policing teams? Mr Speaker, neighbourhood policing in London has been so successful that it is now, being, uh, in, all, is now in all parts of, the, uh, of England. And the reason is that crime has come down, there is a visible police presence in the areas, local people are in touch with the local police set forces, and that's the reason why under the current Mayor of London, crime has fallen by 15%, there are 6,000 more police officers, 4,000 more com community support officers, and the one thing that would put the policing of London at risk is the election of a Conservative mayor. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.